0: Bassmaster videographer, friend of the show, and ultimate outdoorsman, Jake LaTondres, joins me once again, where this week we talk about those dirty, rotten, filthy walleye cheaters and shortcuts in life. This week on...
1: I'm Bob Cobb for the Bassmaster. Welcome to Mercer. Welcome
0: one, welcome all friends, family, freeloaders, fishing freaks. You're all welcome here at the Awkwardly Honest Fishing Podcast that goes by my last name, which is Mercer, and I hope you're having a good week. It is hump day. That's when you find this show, week after week, and we are thankful that you have found your way here this week, and um, I'm really thankful to say my buddy is back this week. You know him from Jake's Take, Jake Latondris, become a friend of the show, well, was a friend of the show before he was even on the show but you guys are pretty used to jake's take on things and uh, this one's going to be a little different because me and jake haven't talked in a little while we're coming home from an event but there's no shortage of craziness going on in the fishing industry and uh, one of the big topics this week by everything that talks about fishing and things that never talk about fishing which is what frustrates me most to be honest and what i'm talking about is the filthy dirty rotten cheaters that were busted shoving eight pounds of lead inside a limit of walleye um to win a tournament well they were busted in one of the craziest videos ever um kudos to everybody involved that 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 they caught these guys um but what really frustrates me is i have no idea who won the tournament I have no idea who even was fishing against these guys. That's the gross part about the world. Fox, um, CNN, everybody, literally every website, Barstool, everybody is talking about these cheaters. I mean, the amount of different like mainstream podcasts that have asked me to come on this week, but I'm traveling this week and I can't do a lot of them, um, blows my mind, but it's all from something negative towards our sport, which is what is wrong with the world. Because if the story was that these guys won their 10th tournament in a row or something like that, there wouldn't be any media about it, but the world sees them cheating and now everybody is talking about it. And it's quite honestly, something you're going to have to put up with. If you're passionate about the sport of competitive fishing, which I assume you are, if you listen to this podcast, you're going to have to put up with this for the rest of your life or for a long time. You're going to hear, you know, whether you go to, you know, somebody's birthday party and you're standing around and you meet some dude and he starts talking to you. He said, what do you do? I fish tournaments. All of a sudden you're going to hear about these two idiots and thank God they got caught. And, um, but it's just gross it's just really really gross because it's going to make a lot of good hard working people put them under a negative light and put them up with something that they shouldn't have to put up with i mean right now we should know the names of the people that legally caught the walleye that legally won those tournaments but instead we just are all talking about those two idiots and we're no different because we're going to talk about them but um i guess my message is sprint, sp- Spread happiness and positivity as opposed to hatred. I mean, I I was, this podcast made a big change over those very reasons. Life is too short to be negative and nasty, be positive and happy. But um, one dude that always gets me positive and happy is our guest this week. And without waiting any further, let's bring up a man who has seen more than 64. Grateful Dead concerts, a man who is often one of the only other human beings to see what really goes down in a Bassmaster Elite Series event, a man who decided that not just climbing mountains, I mean, that's challenging for some, but he'd rather be an ice climber. My buddy, my pal, the host of Jake's Take, the one and only Jake Latonga's. I am so happy to have you back. Jake Latondris, welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> it's been a long, long, but we said we'd have you on about once a month and it's been a month, so you're back. That was,
1: that was the longest month of my life, Dave. <laughs> that, went by, that went by way too slow. I, not only do I miss being on your podcast, I just miss talking to you.
0: Yeah, we haven't talked a lot in this little break because both our schedules have kind of been opposite. It seemed like when you were at an event, I wasn't, and vice versa. When you weren't, I was. Um, but, yeah, lots, lots is going on in the fishing world, and uh, none of it seems to matter anymore, though. You know, like, <laughs> it, 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 it's like that old... I don't even want to start off the podcast with saying, it's like that old saying, but... um one thing goes wrong like i mean fishing has never had more media more attention than we've seen this last few days i mean fishing's been on fox cnn espn you know uh barstool everyone
1: yeah everywhere
0: i hate it what what, okay first of all what are your initial reactions like when when you first heard about it what went through your mind
1: well let's Address what's oh, going oh, okay. on here. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm horrible. I'll let you ad- address address the title of today's topic.
0: The title of today's topic is just how much lead can you shove inside a walleye?
1: Uh, Have you seen uh, all the memes coming out?
0: Oh, it's so.
1: Oh my it's, goodness. There's
0: so many memes. I mean, bass fishing has never cared about walleye fishing more in their life than this. um The, the Kaminsky rig. <laughs> so basically, these two dudes um in ohio walleye tournament anglers and guys that had been suspected i mean the story now coming out is all the dudes that compete against them eh, not just dudes i'm sure some ladies have fished there too they had all been for a long time kind of bitching about that there's something these guys are doing um but they got busted literally eh, they literally. While I do not have to be live, one way in. That's the biggest difference. First in of all, in some
1: tournaments, in some, some tournaments. tournaments, a lot of tournaments they are. But on the Lake Erie, I talked to a lady that lives up there in Port Clinton. I bet you and did. And she explained this to me. She told me that. she told me that the lake erie events a lot of them now there's so many walleyes in the system that they want to increase the harvest so they allow these tournaments to have walleye kill kill fish tournaments which this was and to me that just sets up disaster that's got disaster written all over it and and as it would be that's exactly what happened
0: i mean yeah they went away in their fish and they did they took the lead, basically i guess and um i listened to the tournament
1: director took the lead well freaking they they imploded the second place team (laughs) (laughs) well but they also took the the, what they were trying to win
0: was angler of the year because they came into that event leading our team of the year um so regardless whether it be the lead of the tournament or whatever i listen to the tournament director on Ike's podcast, which if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. His name's uh, Jason Fisher. And he's like, I looked at the bag and I figured they, he knew they need to finish in top 10 to lock up team of the year. And top 10 was around 16 pounds. Cause it was really bad conditions. He said. So when he saw the bag of fish, he figured, Oh, they've got 21 to maybe 24 in there. And then it weighed in 33 pounds. Um, so that was his first kind of clue. And he says right away on stage, kudos to him. He says right away on stage, he says, keep those fish around. We need to get some pictures. We need to get some pictures. So, so, so smart to not let Let them them just kind of take off, but how weird and awkward is it to be him? I mean, MC in an event and in his head, he's like, I think they, they finally caught these guys. Like there's something up here. Um, And the, so, so, I'll let you talk now, Jake. We've most people have known about this story. If you don't know about it, pretty sure everybody that's tuned in here, if somebody didn't hear about the Walleye cheaters before this podcast, please in the comments, let us know because what the hell have you been up to? Yeah, <laughs> so like I mean- you, you turn on a computer and it's
1: there oh just look at your phone someone's yeah. sending you a link or i mean it was insane it's like mark mark daniels jr said <laughs> on that little uh clip that ike had on his show to promote uh that interview with josh uh or was it's josh, jason or josh, i think. Or jason, jason? Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah jason uh mark daniels jr says if someone sends me one more link to that walleye thing <laughs> <laughs> so the guy's names i'm just gonna say them because First of all, I want to address the fact that it's disgusting. What they did Mm -hmm. is absolutely freaking disgusting. I don't like liars, cheaters, or thieves in the first place, and those guys are all the above, liars, cheaters, and most importantly, in my opinion, thieves to the people that they've been competing against for however long they've been cheating. They have stolen, not only stolen money, and prizes and sponsorships and notoriety and all those things, parts of people's careers, they've stolen, they've stolen people's dreams over this. And, and that to me is disgusting. So I'm going to say their names. As I recall, it's Chase Kaminsky and Jake Runyon. Those are the two anglers that were caught cheating. And when I watched the first video like the first time i saw it i was like what what is this this is weird <laughs> and and they had let me go back. You, you know, they, 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 they weighed 33 pounds of walleyes and you could tell none of those walleyes look like they were over five pounds, maybe five and a half. It's hard to tell on video, but they certainly weren't eight pounders. And, and in walleye events, they weigh four fish because typically on most walleye systems, the personal daily bag limit is four four walleyes to keep. So that's, that was their deal, right? So in Thank God United you're here States. for the details. Yeah. So as, as this started developing, you know, the, the, the tournament director's cutting these fish open, and he's popping oh, egg weights oh, out. Go but
0: ahead. it did. I mean, I mean, if you haven't seen the video, I mean, it didn't just happen. It was at the side of the stage, the weigh-in had completed. And he said on Ike's show, he said, I, I started feeling the gut, and he could feel something hard, and So that's what pushed him to... To grab said knife and um, slice him and dice them. I digress. And, continue.
1: and there were people in the crowd, you know, com- wooing and woeing, not because of their weight, because it was so much. And it was mind boggling. They were wooing and woeing in the fact that these guys have a history of. Suspect weights in tournaments, particularly kill fish tournaments, and the the, the anglers in the crowd were going. There's no way that's thirty three pounds of fish. Yeah. And ironically enough, if you took, you know, they found eight pounds of lead in 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 the fish total. Plus, they were filleting walleyes on the boat and stuffing lot fl- of stuffing fillets of other fish into these fish. Like, yeah, this is yeah. just totally premeditated. And and so if you subtracted eight pounds from thirty three, I don't know if this is accurate or not, but I'm just doing the math based on what I know. If you subtract eight pounds from thirty three, they would have had enough weight to win the tournament anyway.
0: Yeah, right? like yeah.
1: That, what a joke. <laughs> uh,
0: they and the crazy thing is, like this isn't new. Like this has been going on for. There's been a group of anglers that have said these guys are cheating. These guys are cheating over and over again. And the crazy thing is they actually did it once on camera. Like recently, they put a camera in their boat and they were, you know, doing coverage. And somehow nobody knows how the tournament director on Ike's show said, we don't know. Like it'll all come out hopefully at some point. But they don't know how it possibly happened with a camera person. Like is the camp was the camera person bought off was the camera or they able to do it you know what i mean like a big walleye a weight like that literally you'd be shocked how quick and i only know this because when you get a bait fish or something like that that a fish goes to spit out and a big bait fish and you go to put it back in its mouth it's almost like a reverse like same thing when you shove your finger down your throat and you go i do that to my wife all the time just see, oh wow this sounded horrible when i said uh, what i meant is <laughs> i make <laughs> that <laughs> noise bleh, and that makes my wife want to throw up which is a lot of fun around my house um my buddy gooch too i can also i'll call him and just make sound he hears that and bleh. if he's watching right now he's throwing up i hope none of you are but back to my story if you take said pig bait fish how bad did that get Quick, Um, and you put it. It almost has a reverse thing where it gullets it down. So I don't think it would take as long to shove big weights down a walleye's throat. Were they I agree enough to do it? You know, like I'm going to go back and check on the fish. Camera guy's busy with the other angler or whatever. Did they do it with them? Did they do it when he got off the boat? But they got away with this once, or or they clearly can also catch walleye did they win that tournament clean it's
1: nuts i mean an egg weight is if you think about it they had to think about this a lot a lot because there's so many different ways i suppose a person could cheat and and they had to think this through and the the I mean, the whole walleye filet, when he started pulling walleye filets out of, out of those fish, when he was cutting them open, I was like, you have got to be kidding me. These guys went the extra mile. I mean, I, like you said, i bet the egg weights just slipped right in. They could just push it through and it was in because they're round. They're, they're smooth. They're weighted. Weighted. Yeah, exactly. Just hold them upside down and go blam, you know? And it's like, it's like giving a, a, a dog a pill. <laughs> You know what I mean? Same deal. Shut its mouth and all of a sudden they swallow and it's down. And so I don't even know what to say about it, man. That was, that was, you know, the first, I was waiting when I first watched the video, I thought, okay, this is about to get violent. These guys are going to jump these anglers into, to, to the tournament director's credit. He and apparently there was a U.S. marshal that was in the crowd that was that came. He was he was an angler in the tournament, a participant, and he came up to the tournament director and said something to him. And as I understand it, I don't know for for a fact because I'm just a social media, you know, termite just like everyone else is. But from what I understand, he told him to call the police and not let those guys. Don't let any violence occur because this could get really ugly really fast. And you know the adrenaline and testosterone and the rage that was going through these other anglers at the time was like just ready to implode. implode.
0: I I wish I had a better analogy, so I'll just use the best one I've heard. And it came from Brian the Carpenter. It was like a South Park scene. It literally was. Like the stuff that people were yelling. Just imagine that dude is standing there. One of them. Evidently, I and I don't know which one was which. I have Jake heard. It was- Runyon
1: was the guy standing by the basket. He was. He was the guy standing by the basket, and Chase uh, Kaminsky, I, I guess, was already. Chase out of ironically the scene. ran. Chase, yeah. <laughs> Chase ironically <laughs>
0: yeah. fleed the situation. So so ironic. Uh, <laughs> But he stood there, and I mean, of course, you're gonna, and they, they just get closer and closer. This group of guys just yelling, "You're a cheater! You're this!" and and one by one, and the tournament director, I mean, dude went straight WWE, which you know I love. Uh, oh, but when he pulled the first, he went weight, Randy
1: Savage on him, dude. <laughs> well, but also like part of his
0: thing, and and man, I feel for him is he's been put through the ringer by these guys. It, not just these guys, but the amount of guys that are calling him for over a year now saying they're cheating they're cheating and they've tried things they put cameras in their boat and they've never caught them and to finally catch them because he had said he said i got to their sides you know what i mean i was like they're just getting they're just getting hate for being good because i mean they did it on camera how can it but when he finally you know cut in there and pulled that weight out there he said like i couldn't control him and you can feel like the passion of you know when he said we got lead weights in them (laughs) I mean, oh that goodness. group of anglers, like the henchmen, they showed up and um, I wonder if, the, what do you think will happen with them legally?
1: I, I bet you it doesn't I end don't up being near as
0: bad as it should be.
1: I agree with you, but I've heard, you know, there are attorneys that have, that have spoken up on social media and some of their comments sections and whatnot. I don't know any of these people and, who knows what the truth is or what's really going to happen, but you know, there's the there, fraud is a criminal yeah. offense. but like how do they go back and prove the past tournaments, whether they were, can they, can they, can they put a polygraph? They did pass a polygraph test.
0: One of them or, failed. No, no they one, failed it. They failed. One of them it, passed yeah. and the other one failed. So that's where, but they couldn't do much with them at that point, I guess they got kind of, in, they left a tournament. They were DQ'd out of a tournament that they would have won 145 more grand from. I, from what I've heard, everything we're saying today, just for the record, is allegedly okay yeah. because we don't yeah. really know. Uh, <laughs> but but here's the other greasy part about it: during this long saga, they actually have contacted lawyers and tried to go the other direction, sue other anglers and stuff like that. I'm also hearing because like defamatory. Uh, yeah, deformation of character. Um, is it Did like a see situation that- where you tell the lie and you're just like, I've told the lie so many times, I believe it. I just.
1: <laughs> that That is, I, I think that's part of keeping a straight face, I would think did you see the video? Uh, it was like a GoPro or a phone video or something of them in the boat. They were trolling and Jake Runyon had his hood up and, and he said, we're just, you know, we got, I got a good feeling we're going to do well here. Cause Hey man, we're just doing what we do. Winners win. Yeah. Like, that's what we do. What, winners what win. What <laughs> a slap in the face to the, to the entire fishing community. What a, what a black eye, but like, we talked about earlier how bad of a scene would that have been had violence erupted in the crowd and they got physical with those two guys and, you know, wrecked their truck or boat and har- harmed them physically. Then all of a sudden those guys have, you know, legitimate charges against the other people that physically hurt them or touched them. With assault charges, you know, I mean, there's there's so many things that could have gone wrong, and I think I think the tournament director handled that properly, and perhaps even with some you know, informative help from that U.S. marshal that was participating in the event. So yeah, know, I, I hope a- they I hope they get strapped up for that man. I hope they get whatever legally can happen to them. I hope happens, and I hope that's a, an example set for you know, for the future of the sport because that doesn't really I mean it, it doesn't really have anything to do with bass fishing, but it's tournament fishing at a professional level, at a high level of professional fishing. And so there is spillover in, you know, in the integrity of the entire uh you know, concept of, of tournament oh, yeah. tournament fishing, man.
0: As soon as I saw the video, that's first thing I thought of. It pissed me off. Not that they same initially i mean just like anybody else you know you think of how things affect you and different things and but right away i'm like this is w- horrible because this is what this is what casual people think happens you know what i mean like right. th- this is like the oh, i'm sure you put some weights in those fish or whatever and you like even i remember um barstool tweeted it and I and I went through the comments just to kind of see because Barstool's following is so diverse. It's from a bunch of different sports. It's very, very small percentage of it is actual people who follow competitive fishing. Um, started reading it and people were just adamant, like making jokes of, Oh, what are they going to get charged? What are they going to go to jail? You know what I mean? Like all these different. And you're just like, yes, that's exactly. What, I mean, they, we're talking about $300,000, that they
1: took and boats and a hundred thousand dollar walleye boat that they won. The boat they were in was from the tournament from a tournament that they won. I mean, and it, think about the dude who's or t,
0: I shouldn't say dude, the, the team male or female um that they got second in that tournament that has, wow. that has now they've accepted, Hey, I got second, but now all of a sudden they're like, are you, wait a second. That's my boat. That's, That's our my money. boat. It, It's not a small amount of money. That's a life changing amount of money for some
1: people. Plus sponsorship opportunities, you know, coverage. I mean, you know, there's a lot of controversy out there about, you know, professional tournament angling anyway. And, you know, but it is what it is. It's a a business. It's a job to, to a lot to a lot of anglers. It's their primary source of income. It's what feeds their family. It's just like any other sport, football, baseball, hockey, whatever. And, you know, that, I mean, it just goes, it's, it's an infinite abyss, an infinitely deep abyss of how deeply this affects the fishing community in so many different ways. And to be honest with you, I think kill tournaments, even if a system is over overpopulated I think kill tournaments is probably not the way to go because a it opens up opportunities for dishonesty and 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 you know uh, uh, cheating like what happened but also you know in the public eye they do donate their fish to charity local charities or food banks but at the end of the day in the public eye when you're videotaping a weigh in you know dead fish aren't really that popular. <laughs> You know, I mean, there's, there's someone always has something to say about that. And I just think it's bad press. Yeah. But I also think you can't, <laughs> one of
0: the worst things going to come from this is people are going to start like blaming other reasons. Like they were able to do it because of this. They were able to listen, those guys who were yelling those horrible things behind them. I've been to that part of the world. There's some of the hardest working good people there is out there. And that's why they were yelling those things. That's why they were so angry. So don't, I don't want anyone to get confused and start blaming. I agree. The more catcher release we have, the better, but, but because these scumbags got away with something for a while don't blame the don't blame the system because they they, it, they were going to beat whatever system there is if you have balls big enough
1: to, to shove eight
0: enough. pounds of weight inside a walleye inside your four or five walleye whatever the limit was at an event that you didn't even need to do it I mean what. Lord knows what they, they're capable of, but I I just think it, it's, it's a horrible, horrible thing for the sport. Um, I think it's something we're going to hear about for years. Like I literally think that this is
1: is Christmas party this
0: year. You're every one of you is going to be there and uh, you know, Hey, there's so-and-so that they fish tournaments or they're fans of this sport. And you're going to, somebody's going to be like, Oh, is that the tournament where they, they shove lead weights in them?
1: No, it's not. I mean, this goes this goes down there with Phil Necro using an Amory board, getting caught on the field. This goes down with steroid use, you know, in, in baseball with with the whole home run controversy. This is this is, I mean, one of the biggest news events in the history of professional fishing tournaments there is no doubt do you know did you hear what the biggest weight the biggest egg weight they put in one of those fish was no i thought they were like three and four ounce weights yeah. 12 weight. ounces a 12 ounce lead egg sinker was was found i mean and then when he was throwing those weights in the basket i'm like they're all the same there's some a, a little bit smaller than the others but if you think about it, if they had, let's say they had 20 pounds of fish, all five, all four of their fish were five pounders. Let's just say just let's assume that for hypothetical conversation here, ha, in, in eight pounds, eight pounds of weights. That means in four fish, they put two pounds of extra weight in every fish, right? On average. Yeah.
0: A little under two pounds, but yeah, close to, or well, I guess if it's four fish, I thought it was five fish. So yeah, you're right. Two pounds of fish.
1: Two pounds per fish that's like uh, how do you do that i would like to get i would like a video explanation from the anglers on how they did it <laughs> uh, what blows me away is that
0: you've like if you do this i mean dude people will rob a 7-eleven for 500 dollars. so to think that people won't cheat and won't do things for the kind of money that's out there is just naive. Realistically, people are in bad situations and they will do stupid things. Um, But what blows me away is how do you can like people have thought you were doing this for over a year or what, however long this history is. And you still had the balls to keep doing it. Like you would think at some point you'd be like, they're on to us. Let's slide on out of here. You know, let's quit fishing tournaments. Let's say, hey, you guys have made tournaments unenjoyable for
1: us. We're out. We're it, retiring. We're retiring like on top, you know, or something. I I think it was like you. Did you just say sickness? Yeah, it, it At least is. It, that's it. I think that's a sickness. They got away with it so many times and they won so much that's where we have to assume this has been going on for a long time because they got addicted to the money and the, fa- the 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 attention, the sponsorship. I mean, you know who I felt sorry for in one of those in one of those videos was Ranger Boats because oh, yeah. Ranger was pasted on that on that guy's jersey on the back and the front and you're just sitting there going god, how does Ranger feel right now? You know, how much have they paid them to be their their primary sponsor jersey sponsor and i'm sure they were in a they were in a i'm sure they were in a ranger boat i was watching the video of them driving away and you, all you could see was the back of the boat but it, i'm pretty sure that was a big ranger walleye boat and totally totally loaded down with all the electronics yeah the big kicker motor you know a 300 horsepower engine outboard and god knows what else was on there from sponsors from all i mean it's just it's just it's just disgusting man i can't the the mfers that were coming across the audio from the crowd was pretty much like all you could say were three words and that was those mfers that's all you that's all i could think about too man i said it i said mf like I don't even know how many times in my head I've watched that video so many times or the three I've seen three different versions from three different camera angles, phones people that had you know that were filming it. And it's like every single time it was just those MFers. Those MFers.
0: It's it's a horrible thing. Um But again, I also like, I agree with you. Yeah, it sucks for Ranger, but it doesn't affect Ranger anyway. You know what I mean? I think that what they've done is despicable enough. I mean, I don't think that people stopped buying
1: Broncos back in the day. Um, White, white Broncos. (laughs) No, I agree with that. I, I do agree with that for sure. And, and they can't be
0: expected to like people to be like, well, they better know who they're doing. No, that guy could have got the shirt through a dealer. He might, that shirt might've come with the boat. They won. Who even knows? Like there's so many and as a, I mean, the tournament director that deals with them all the time and it heard of them. They haven't caught them up till now, uh, you know, this wasn't their first time. So what they've done has been incredibly complex complex and dude when you see videos like the one you brought up where they're saying hey winners win like i see a video like that and all of a sudden pre like let's say I, this, this weight video never happens nobody checks them but if you see those you start putting it together you're like well no man if, if he was if they were cheating he wouldn't be that arrogant
1: but i evidently you would be because they, they were <laughs> I'm going to take the words out of Jason Christie's mouth. That made me want to punch someone in the mouth. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah,
0: no, it's horrible, horrible. Um, I think it's horrible for the sport, really. And I I think that that gets used too much. I think when people see things, they're like, well, this is a black mark for the sport. This is, this is, but this is also something totally different. You know, it's not, it's, it's not. uh, How much – do you think that this has ever happened on the Elite Series?
1: On the Elite Series? No. I don't think this has ever happened on the Elite Series. Has cheating ever happened? Ever? I'm going to – you know, in the history of it, probably. Well, yeah, because
0: people have been disqualified. So, yeah, Yeah, (laughs) yeah. not probably. For sure, there's been cheating. Sure. But most of it's been – Cheating like getting a ticket for not slowing down and not completely stopping at a stop sign. That does not make you the same as the dude driving 180 miles an hour. Um, I, well, Maybe it does to some people, but you know what I mean? Like they're all in... in most of the things i know it was like hey you forgot to put your life jacket on when we were close to a dam or you forgot to slow down yeah. in a slow zone um
1: those are violations of mm-hmm. rules not necessarily cheating you know there's i mean you can forget in the heat of the moment and you're in a hurry to pack up and get to your you got 15 minutes left you got a 12 minute boat ride you're you know you're you're six ounces from where you want to be. I mean, a lot of things can happen in a short amount of time and forget being forgetful about, you know, whatever it is, kill switchers or life jackets or, or whatever that is. That's one thing, but you know what those guys did or, or to suggest, I think the system. And again, I'm not, I'm not like, I, I totally agree with you. You can't blame the system for what those guys did. You have to blame their character. I mean, so I, I answered a question a couple of times on DMs yesterday on Instagram about, you know, what, what kind of people are these? And I go, well, these are the, th- these two guys, one of them's probably the leader and one of them is probably the follower, right? One of them suggested it first, the other one said,
0: which one the guy who ran or the guy who stayed which one do you think i think
1: the guy that stayed just the look on his face and what he said in that in that video winners just win that to me is just so arrogant and so so convincing like he practiced that in the mirror with to say it with a straight face knowing he's cheating the way he is and he's stealing all this money but i think that you know i i think um the system at, at the Bass Elite level or all the Bass Master events, high school, I've covered high school, college, opens, brackets, elites, pretty much every level, not Bass Nation, but, you know, pretty much every level of Bassmaster events. And, you know, they have to come in, they dump those fish. First of all, they have to be alive you know there's, yep. there's a there's a penalty and i want everyone to know that watches this that i've been in a ton of boats we've been around all these anglers there is a, a, a massive amount of integrity on the bassmaster elite series all the anglers whether it's whatever it is if it's contagious integrity whatever it is there's a ton of integrity and the system the system Forces it too because they have to a, keep their fish alive. And I've heard it so many times from a lot of different anglers. They're not just concerned about the four ounces of uh, four pe- penalty ounces that they get on a dead fish. It bothers them when a big fish is on the verge of dying in their live well. And they stop what they're doing, knowing that they're losing fishing time in the water, bait time in the water to take care of one fish in their live well, when they could legally, if it's still, if it's still pumping its gills, they can cull that fish. They can throw that fish in the water and cull it no matter how big it is legally. Right. That's what the rules say. Yeah. They don't, they go out of their way They use G juice or Mountain Dew, or they fizz the fish, they put ice, you know, pounds and pounds of extra ice in their boat. They put it in the live well to go out of their way to make sure the fish that they put in their live well have every opportunity to survive, whether it's the boat ride back, a hook in the gill, whatever it is. They do their best to make. This isn't just about the rules. It's about caring about the resource too. I feel it when when these guys are doing it. And so, you know, I think I think the public needs to know that about the bass, um, you know, elite series or the Bassmaster series uh, overall, from top to bottom. And this started a long time ago. This was something that Ray Scott had figured out way back when in the early days. And he hired someone like Gene Gilliland to come in and figure out, you know, what's best in the the name of conservation of the resource. How do we take care of these fish so that we can continue to have live you know fish weigh-ins on stage so that the crowd gets to see what you know what these guys are bringing in and it's part of the excitement so he went way out of his way spent who knows how much money trying to figure all this out with all the live tank the pontoon live tanks they have and the treatments they put in the water hiring a scientist like gene gillan to take care of these to figure all this out and it works it works and so Someone suggested to me yesterday on Facebook in a, in a very long and, and in-depth post about the walleye guys suggested to me that walleyes are much weaker and they're more susceptible to live well um, injury and, and shock than, than bass are. And, and I beg to differ. I actually fished the professional walleye trail for five years as, a, as an amateur. And I fished a lot of, of events, <laughs> a lot of <laughs> events with a lot of pros and those were live weigh-ins as well. And there were, they had a very good system. You know, It was obviously in fishermen and the background of in fishermen that, that, you know, sanctioned those events were very knowledgeable people that go back into the maybe even beyond, but back well back into the black and white days of television and, and, and historical, uh, you know professional tournament development, and they they went out of their way to take care of those walleyes too. And very seldom did you have dead walleyes in those tournaments. I hosted a fall walleye tournament um, on Lake McConaughey for nine years, nine straight seasons. Every late September, early October, I hosted a a fall walleye tournament on Lake McConaughey. And I use lots of tactics. We taught anglers how to fizz their fish because in the fall, obviously a lot of people know that those walleyes go deep and they'll spoon those fish up out of 30 to 80 feet of water. And so their air bladders, their air bladders fill up, they get to the surface, they can't, they can't deflate. Fizzing works when done properly. And so, you know, Something that I had learned a long time ago on the PWT trail was how to fit, how to fizz a walleye. And we taught anglers at Lake McConaughey how to do that. And it worked. So anyway, long to make a long story longer, you know, I didn't buy into the fact that walleyes are more susceptible to live well damage or, or, or shock or whatever it is that would kill them in live wells. Because if you go out of your way and you take care of them, like these bass anglers do, I think you're good to go.
0: So you're saying you don't think anyone cheats on the Elite Series?
1: I, I don't. I, That's I how don't that know. question started. I don't. I don't. Yeah. Sorry. I just, <laughs> I, I just one, one thought led to another, man. I, I, you know, I would hate to think anyone on the Elite Series cheats. I'm sure it crosses people's minds when they're close to something. I mean, human nature. What is the old saying? My buddy Jay Gregory from the Wild Outdoors once said. Uh, The three things that will make a man make the worst decisions of his life are money, sex and big bucks. And you can you can replace big bucks with big fish, lots of ducks, whatever it is you're after greed makes people make really bad decisions. So I don't know. I just know that there's a lot of integrity and the system is very tight at the elite level. So I I don't even like to think about that, to be honest
0: with you. I think by the time people, and it's not just the elite series, top level tournaments, by the time people get there, the cheaters have been sussed out for the most part now. And obviously we've seen things where people have taken liberties and stuff. And recently we saw an angler at MLF get DQ'd from an event because of, of some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so rare. I just think it's, it's by the time you get to the top level, uh, you know, it, it's you've been caught or eliminated at some point. So, so let me ask you this: because one of the things that they do in Japan, that that I've seen in the past, and I've watched anglers kind of laugh about and... it. No, well, yeah, that too, I guess. <laughs> uh, they'll wand the fish, like they literally, you know, like when you enter a club, the wand that they run down your legs, and or in the airport, wherever. They wand the bags as they come through. Do you think that's something? Do, like, do you think this will change tournaments and maybe the procedures that people have to do?
1: I think some tournaments it will. I yeah. don't think. I don't think that's something. I think that is something that is that diminishes the presentation of the weigh-ins at the elite level. I, I think. I think. I don't think that's necessary, and I think. I think. I think forcing that to happen is is bruising the integrity of the brand in my opinion because the people I mean it, eventually it comes out in the wash right i mean these guys got caught how long have they been doing it now maybe there are i've been asked i've been asked by the tournament director and i'm not going to name names there's no way i would do that but i have been asked by the tournament director at elite events did something? Did this happen or did that happen? And and I absolutely, uh, I, it's only been one one time. But when I was asked that question, I said absolutely not. And it was you know a question about a technique, and and I just said no. These no none of these fish were snagged. These fish were caught in the mouth, every single one of them. Even the ones that you didn't see live, I watched or, or recorded it. You can go back and watch every single one of them this was a completely honest bag of fish that this guy caught.
0: I agree. And I also think that there's a lot more eyeballs when you get to, I mean, people way underestimate the power of a camera lens and not just the one in the back deck of your boat. If you're competing on the elite series, even if you're not in competition, even if it's the day one of this, of the event, we don't know what place you're in or anything. There's boats all over the place, taking pictures and, I mean, their biggest problem is finding somewhere to go to the bathroom. It, right. Really, exactly. to be honest, as opposed exactly. to you can't you you can't get away with it. But um They Uh, probably
1: do need to, you know, figure out how to make sure everyone's GoPros. I mean, everyone is supposed to have a GoPro or a tacky cam or something in their boat if they don't have a marshal or if they do have a marshal. And not every not every angler has a marshal at every event because there's not always enough marshals to go around. And so but, you know, and I've actually thought about that for many years in my in my position as a cameraman on the elite series when some when you see someone like rick clunn go out without a marshal, you're just like there's no pro like that this is this is you don't even question that you know this is and 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 i like to think that about everyone but but you also think about particularly you know young guys huh so What do they do? What do they do when someone doesn't have a Marshall? Well, they've got a GoPro or a Tacticam and those cameras are supposed to be running all the time. Yeah. That's why most of them either have solar energy powering their GoPros or they have some sort of, you know, lithium battery tucked in their one of their back lockers um, to run their camera all day long. There are flaws in, you know, in the in the setup in the rigs that they have because GoPros aren't always that. You know, totally reliable, but you know, maybe they maybe they maybe they figure something out. I mean, I've just bought a new truck or I'm in the process of buying a new truck, and there's actually a plug in on the back of this new 2022 model that I'm buying that has a plug in for an accessory camera for my boat trailer or whatever cargo trailer. So if you want to put a, a, a like a car cam on your boat. While you're running down the highway, you can plug it into the accessory outlet on the back of your truck so that you can see what's going on under your boat or in the boat or under the, under the cover of your boat or whatever it is while you're running. So, you know, technology will probably fix itself in this case at some point. Yeah. And
0: I think with, with the, you mentioned one big difference, you know, with Fish having to be alive, it changes a lot of things. There's not, you can't shove 12 ounces of weight inside a fish and expect it to live, uh, or human, really, I would imagine. Um, You can't do that and expect to live. Um, So it, it handles itself a little bit there. But I also don't think the wanding the bags is a big deal, like the way they do it in Japan. Like as you come through, they just wand your fish. But I just think it's ridiculous that. It just sucks because it's it's the thing that it's like TV shows, fishing shows forever. Everybody thinks there's a scuba diver down there. (laughs) And I wish we had the kind of budget to have (laughs) such things. Uh, But we don't. But it's like the old like that's what you hear. You Go to a Christmas party and you meet Joe, the accountant. Joe, the accountant. That's the questions they ask. Oh, yeah. Don't you guys have scuba divers? Oh, don't they just put weights in those fish? So. The fact that somebody actually did it and um, it sucks. It's, it's a bad mark on the sport. Um,
1: oh, it, it's been in the deer hunting community for years. A guy, you know, becomes really good at understanding the biology and the habits of, of mature whitetail bucks. He goes in and, and harvests a really big one. The next year he goes and harvests another big one and over a 20 or 10 year, 20 year career, you know, he kills a bunch of really big trophy whitetails because he's figured it out. Well, the word around town is, you know, he's baiting. There's no way he can be that good at it. And, th- and then all of a sudden, you know, that guy's got the integrity and the knowledge and the time to put in, to understand it that well. But then, then there's some other guy in, in a state, you know, in some other state that's been doing it for 10 years and he gets busted for, for pouring corn out for, and baiting deer in. And then all of a sudden it, it creates question amongst everyone that, that, that does that. So, you know, man, stop. If you're a cheater, stop, <laughs> you know, just stop, man. This is just, this is, there's no place for that in, in the sport and these activities. It's just, it's just, it's just BS, man.
0: Yeah. Well, it also makes me think of something I saw once, and I've thought about this the rest of my life. I was in a car. I was in a store, dollar general type store. this was years ago. And this kid tried to steal like a little dinky car. You know what I mean? Like, anyways, he gets caught. He's a young kid, and he's in a thing. And the mother's mortified, obviously, like everybody would be and the mother instantly started defending the kid you know it's just a little car he's just a little kid he's just that's why it's so important not to treat that kid okay after he does that because that nobody starts stealing bentleys but they get there it starts with a dinky
1: car it starts with a marbles it starts little hard wheels turns into a mustang gt 20 years from then yeah, point. I, I agree, Dave. I, I totally agree. When I was about five years old, I came out. I'll never forget this. I came out of a little grocery store in our little town of Camden, Tennessee, and I put, I stole a Three Musketeers bar, I put it in my pocket and walked out. We got to my mom's car. I think it was like a Ford Impala or something. It was like this was back Chevy Impala.
0: City. No, she,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Chevy. Yeah, Chevy we had Impala. one of
0: those when we first moved to Canada. <laughs>
1: And so I get in the car and I open this, I open this candy bar and I start eating it. And my mom turns around and she goes, Where did you get that? And I said, From the store. And she goes, She was, she got pissed, like, yeah. like pissed. She got out of the car, opened the back door, grabbed me by the arm, pulled me out of the car, and said, You go in there right now. You take this to the store manager. And you apologize for what you did right now. And I was in tears. I was scared. I was hurt. I was embarrassed. I was all the above all those things that you're supposed to feel when you get caught doing something like that. I walked into Beasley's grocery store, you know, that was back when the manager of the store was sitting in an elevated office (laughs) above the store so he could watch everything. And I I walked in there and my mom goes, Mr. Beasley, my son has something to tell you. And he came out of the swinging door and walked down the stairs and he knew what was going on because I had this three musketeers open with a bar. bar, It's all over your face. (laughs) (laughs) That that made you so happy only
0: moments before, but now it's just shame.
1: Oh, it's shame, man. (laughs) It might as well have been a turd in my hand, man. And okay. so he walks down and he, he bends over and gets eye to eye with me. And it took me like, I felt like, like everything went numb and I, everything went totally silent. And it was just me and him in the spotlight and everything else around us was just frozen in time. And I said, Mr. Beasley, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to steal this. I just wanted it. My mom knew my mom wouldn't buy it for me. And so he took it back and he, you know, he patted me on the back and he goes, please don't ever do that again. But I really appreciate you coming in here and telling me the truth. And I never stole, I've never stolen anything since that day. And that was the lesson in life. So take it back to what you just said and how parents need to parent. Maybe it only takes one correction like that to to dissolve the greediness in a young person for the rest of their lives. Because they learned one lesson when they were five or six years old, and that taught them not to ever do that again.
0: Back to our walleye friends. Do you think they were driven by money, or do you think they were driven by glory? of of
1: yes being those guys, all the above that's ego. Again, you know, that's someone asked me, I I don't think I addressed this earlier. Someone asked me, you know, what are these people like? These kinds of people are the guys that would, would attempt to screw your wife, Would if they watched you drop your wallet, they would take the money out of your wallet. You know, these are the, they think that's
0: okay. They think yeah. I gave him his wallet back. I took all the cash out of him, whatever.
1: He'll never know. Yeah. Yeah. Th- that's the kind of people they are. They don't care. They don't, they have no conscience. They don't care what other people think. They don't ha- care how it makes other people feel. And, and, you know, it, that kind of character goes, I guarantee you can't, I can't bet on it. Cause I don't know them but I can almost guarantee you that if you go back in their life history, if you had, you ever see that movie, the final cut with Robin Williams in it?
0: I think I'm going to say yes.
1: It, it's, it's a non-comedy. It was one of the most, one of the most serious movies. I think he's ever played. Was it when five. he was a
0: photographer? He worked in a photography place.
1: Well, he was the, he was a, cause he was the librarian when they were making, putting implants, uh, camera implants in people's in chips in their eyes, and their entire lives were this. being recorded. Oh, it's called The Final Cut, it's a fairly old movie. But he was the librarian. So you could go into his his office in the library and he could he could go and find your video, your life history video, go back and and reel back in time and show you what happened in your life. If you ever had any questions on why you feel the way you do today, he could rewind back to when, you know, you did something wrong that affected someone person's life and from that point forward subconsciously you became a different person for the rest of your life over it and i think that's part of i think that's part of this those those two guys i wouldn't trust those guys with anything i I wouldn't get i wouldn't say hey man we hang on to my wallet i gotta go over here and you know i gotta go to the bathroom or whatever i would not trust them with anything and i hope this i hope this cleans it up you know we say this is a really big black eye on the fishing sport fishing community or the tournament fishing community and i agree with that perhaps this needed to happen this went public and now this is going to clean up some of that stuff and make the integrity stand out that much more because those guys are examples of what can happen particularly in today's world of social media and iphone cameras and all that stuff
0: yeah and and uh, I can't say it enough. I said it's a black eye on, on tournament fishing, but it's a black eye on tournament fishing for those who want it to be. For it'll be something that people you'll have to all will all have to answer for for years to come. It'll it's it's but I still feel like 99.9% of the people in the industry are great. You know what I mean? That that's what makes the fishing industry, that's what makes the outdoor industry so special. Because you know, there're people I want to hang with. There're people who <laughs> Uh, we have like-minded feelings and thoughts on a lot of things and, and, and the outdoors just kind of bonds us together. So don't let exactly. two idiots affect what you think about this industry because it hasn't changed. It's, exactly. it's no different than it was before these two idiots got caught. Um, they just happened to be two idiots that did something stupid, um, you mentioned a movie to, to 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 leave our walleye guys. You mentioned a movie, um, but I watched a movie that made me think of you, non, freaking stop, and just the idiot that you might be. Don't tell and me
1: it was the Karate Kid.
0: No, no, <laughs> I did. I, I, I actually, it's funny. The My Bruce son Lee watched movie. the Karate Kid recently, <laughs> and we were all about it. Free um, Solo. I watched. I'd, I'd heard about it for so long and, and, you know, he, I'm a big Rogan fan, clearly. And I've been um, meaning to watch it. And it was just one night we were like, well, let's watch this free solo movie. But dude, there was parts of that movie that I literally free solo. For those of you who don't know, it's about a, a climber who climbs without ropes, without anything. Alex
1: Honnold. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. And Alex, what? Honnold. Honnold. Yeah. So Alex, um, is nuts what he does and i just kept thinking about you and your ice climbing days Do, have you seen that movie and and oh, as yeah. a climber how nuts is what he does
1: as a clock from a climber standpoint we know and everyone knows he's one microscopic mistake away from death yeah if he makes a mistake he's going to die and the route that he climbed on the nose on el capitan was it's not easy. I mean, the first people that climbed that route, you know, were banging pins into cracks and aid climbing it. They weren't, there was no one crazy enough to free solo that. And Alex has been, you know, there's, there's an old saying about free soloists and that they all die. They're all, they're all one, they all die. I mean, I've known several of them that were friends of mine that were very famous in the rock and ice climbing world that died. So free soloing it is it is an insanely risky and consequential event when you decide to do that however the people that do do that like Alex Honnold he finds freedom and he knows yeah. the consequences that he's facing and then he's putting himself in and he's He's a genius level. His his mind works at a genius level from an engineering or route finding, a physics like all these things come into play when you're rock climbing at that level. And one of the things that was you know being stoned through the rock climbing community at the professional level, like if someone did something you know crazy in the bassmaster world, and all the anglers are talking about. What happened from a positivity perspective, or a what if what if perspective? You know, professional climbers that I know from way back when, from Canada and and America alike, we've talked about this before. And and it's you know, do you do that for money? Because they made they made a lot of money off of that film. I mean, that thing won that thing won an Oscar, best documentary. I mean, that was and they're doing more films. Um, and so the controversy there is, do you put yourself, because they're filming this, that you, you put yourself at risk to free solo something for the fame and money, or are you really doing it for yourself and your own mind? And if you are, why film it? Because you risk all the people watching it, the crowd at the at ground level in Yosemite that was watching it with spotting scopes and binoculars if the guy falls and dies, there's trauma involved there. Of course, you have the choice whether you're going to watch it or not. Or if you're a camera guy like Jimmy Chin or some of those guys that were doing it, you choose to, to film that and you put yourself at risk to see that yourself. If he were to die, do you stop filming it or do you film it all the way to the ground? All these questions came up in in conversation about that movie and I'll address it this way there's a better movie about a different guy that no one's ever heard of called the alpinist and i believe it's on like united airlines on their in their movie selection it's called the alpinist and it is it's to me i'm not going to say it's i'm not going to say that it's better for everyone but it's better for me because this is about a guy who has he, he's either he's autistic or he has a different. He has a different level of mentality there, he has a disorder, but he is unbelievably talented and he's an ice climber and he does all these insane, even more insane what Alex Honnold did on. On on El Capitan and Yosemite, this guy's doing in the Canadian Rockies, in Pakistan, like he's doing it, he wasn't inviting anyone to come film him or watch him, he would literally sneak off, no one would know where he went, and he would go do these insane solos um, by himself, so if you get a chance, if you like free solo, go go plug into the the alpinist it's it's a much better in my opinion a much better movie
0: so so do 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 a, are a lot of climbers against kind of free solo climbing like meaning like you're making it negative toward like towards the sport or is it
1: i think there are some people i i think I, but i also think or jealousy. is that jealousy Yeah, Yeah. I think jealousy brings that out in people like they want to criticize someone that made millions of dollars off of a movie like Free Solo because they're jealous because they made a lot of money. So they create controversy, you know, because it's a controversial activity. Like, really, if you think about it, if, if Alex sits down and he's a very honest person. And, and very, you know, he wears his, his honesty on his sleeve so everyone can see it. He's not scared to say what's on his mind to anyone. Mm-hmm. And so if someone were to ask him, which I don't, maybe someone has, I don't know, did you do this for the fame or the money or did you do this for yourself? And if he looked into a camera and said, well, I did this for myself, I always free solo for myself, then the question becomes, why did you accept money for it and why did you have people film it then what was your purpose in doing that and so that becomes the argument or the debate in the community just like it would if something happened in the bass fishing world you know it's just it, it, there. there's always haters there's always jealousy there's always questionable people um and and at the end of the day the only person you really have to answer the question to is yourself right
0: yeah yeah it, it um and I can see how there would be naturally hate. Like, think about it. I mean, as a non-climber myself at all, I mean, the only thing I've ever climbed is a tree and I wasn't great at it. Um, <laughs> but I mean, hey, I climbed Yosemite or whatever this mountain is that you, cl- you climb with ropes. You are a badass. But then you, because of this stupid movie, <laughs> they too have to answer for it for the rest of their life. You meet people at a bar and you'll be like, yeah, I climb Yosemite. <laughs> and then they'd be like, "Have you ever done it without ropes? It, it must drive a lot of climbers crazy, but I, I thought it was a cool movie. I um, I think that's a fine line for everything. you know what I mean like well why if you, if it's truly for you, why do you do it? Well, the money that you got from it allows you to be free and and do what you really wanted. I mean, I felt watching the movie and it's a movie. they can show it from whatever. I felt like he was very. I felt like it was something he did for himself and he battled with the I'm selling out kind of, you know what I mean? Like he want, he worked with the crew and everything, but I mean, who knows whether it's right or wrong. I just thought it was an amazing accomplishment and it made me think of you. So why does a climber go from like climbing rocks to climbing ice? Like you did, is that more challenging or is that just where you live?
1: I think it's ba- I think it's in your personality I have a pretty aggressive approach to my goals and I can, I can honestly say even as a camera guy, an artist, whatever it is I'm doing, I don't, I don't do things to show off. I don't do things to go make money. I didn't start shooting photos for money. In fact, ironically enough, as we talk about this, the very first photo I ever published in my life and got paid for it was the front cover of the North Face catalog. And at that time in 1999 or 1998, when I snapped the photo and the North Face bought that from me, the guys that made the film Free Solo, Jimmy Chin and his cohorts, were first coming onto the North Face scene as well. Like we came into it at the same time. I didn't follow up. I had no professional experience, didn't know. I, I felt like I just got lucky and and snapped a photo that they really liked and I got paid for it. But as progression would have it, I was at least smart enough to take that money and upgrade my camera, upgrade my lens. And I started shooting more and one thing led to another. So then it became a business, right? And perhaps Alex, I, I can almost guarantee you this from a climber's perspective, every single solo he's ever done, including that one on the nose at El Capitan, he did do for himself because he had to be so focused on what he was doing. He ha- he can't look too far ahead and he can't look below. He has to be focused on where he is because every move is different dynamically so he has to be completely ultra focused on what he's doing or he's going to lose his life. And he knows that his friends are watching him, not to put them in that position. So, again, having said that, they set it up. But when he woke up that morning, at whatever it was, 1.30 or 2 o'clock in the morning, they didn't. He didn't make an announcement. And go, hey everybody! No. I'm going to go do it now. He went and did it in his own head because he felt like his headspace was it was was in the right space, and he had the he had the mental fortitude and opportunity and capacity to go to go accomplish what he did that day, and he did. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I think it builds from a personal perspective up to, and personally, I'm glad. They made a lot of money off of that i'm glad those guys have worked their asses off for a very long time in some really really harsh conditions to get to where they are and they didn't do jimmy chin will tell you the story that when he was he was going he was actually going to i think he was going to Gasherbrum in nepal to climb an 8 000 meter peak or maybe even an Antarctica trip, and he was one of the climbers, one of the talents in the in this photography assignment that National Geographic was doing. I think it might have been Antarctica, but the one of the the photographer who was supposed to be assigned to that trip got injured before they left. So the publisher and director of the trip gave Jimmy Chin the camera who had never been a photographer in his life and said, here, you're now the new photographer for this assignment because we can't bail on it. And he, he'll explain to you, he didn't even know how to turn the camera on. And from that point forward, he was very successful in that trip just because he had the raw talent. Plus the backdrop is amazing. And One of the key things about, you know, becoming a famous photographer or really good at it or professional, whatever, is putting yourself in position to get photos that other people can't. So obviously they were in that environment and he did. And from that point forward, he worked his ass off for, for two or three decades to get to where he is now. And I say good for him. Good for all of them.
0: Yeah, good for all of them. I, I found it amazing. I mean, no shortcuts in that sport. There definitely isn't you can't
1: There's no shove, cheating. Let, There's no lead weights, weights into in the that
0: <laughs> No, that um I it just it was like literally there was times I had to look away. Like I'm like, "Oh my I can't even look like at what he's doing and he's hanging off this this mountain." Um but I want to get into and I don't even know if you, how much of this you're able to talk about. Um but it's kind of fitting for this week. Because when you guys are watching this, it's Wednesday. We're actually recording this on Monday. Tomorrow, I'll be heading to Montgomery, Alabama for a celebration of life for the one and only Mr. Ray Scott. And then uh, Thursday, I'll be in Springfield, Missouri for the Bass Fishing Hall of Fame, and um, uh, which is always an amazing event. You get to see the who's who of the industry and the amazing inductees every single year but you kind of got to hang around with all of that wrapped up in a bow in the last few weeks with a project you're working on. Can you talk about that at all?
1: I don't know. I mean, no one seems to to, find out. (laughs) Yeah. No one really seems to care. Let's say this. Okay. We're I'm on assignment and I'm very, very lucky to be a part of this. Okay. Because I haven't been around this sport at this level for very long, 11 years. You know, cameraman's career is, uh, I guess, quite a long time for some people, but relative to when this all started, when, when the um, uh, BASS started, it's a very, it's a drop in the bucket, particularly when you, when you measure it up to how many things have happened, how much has changed, how far it's come from, from, from day one. But to answer your question, we are, you know, I'm on assignment with Ben Oliver. And we're shooting a, 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 a documentary about the history of, of bass. And, and it is quite intriguing. Everyone is going to need to watch this when it comes out. I, as I understand it, it may start coming out sometime in early 2023. We have most of this first year's um, episodes shot. We still have a couple more to do but it starts from day 1 from from the day ray scott oh man i get chills and i'm i'm telling you dave i was sitting in in in, in bill dance's office we had the whole thing studio lit and Bill Dance, being from Tennessee, a Tennessee football fan, yeah. the, the orange tee. I wish I had it. It's upstairs, but I got him. He gave me he gave me a Tennessee hat, and he told me stories about things that happened, like how the twenty the twenty four volt trolling motor system started at Beaver Dam Resort. In Camden, Tennessee on Kentucky Lake, my hometown in like 1969. And his trolling motor broke. He's telling me this story. And, and his trolling motor broke in a tournament in a bass tournament on Kentucky Lake, and he contacted his wife and had her all she had at home for a spare trolling motor was this 24 volt trolling motor, which was a prototype. And she got on a Greyhound because he needed it the next day. She got on a Greyhound with that trolling motor, brought it on a, on a, greyhound on on board it was too big to fit under the compartment so she brought it on board and 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 tried to put it up above her head it wouldn't fit so she (laughs) held on to this trolling motor unpackaged will you brought it to him in at, at, at beaver dam resort or somewhere in camden tennessee and he put it on his boat and they had to go buy a new battery because it wouldn't run on one 12 volt battery. So he mounted two 12 volt batteries and everyone figured out how long he could, how much longer he could run that trolling motor in that tournament. Hence the 24 volt and 36 volt battery systems for trolling motors were born. I mean, these are, these are things that everyone who's a bath bass enthusiast needs to To know and and see because they're going to understand the sport. They're going to understand the integrity, which goes back to why this we started this podcast in the first place of these two idiots cheating in this walleye tournament. Ray Scott's integrity Began from day one. I mean, I've heard, you know, he struggled and he wasn't Mm, always on mark with everything that he said or promises that he kept, but he struggled to get to where he wanted this to be because his vision was where we are today. He knew this was going to happen if he did this the right way. And part of that or all of that was hiring the right people like Helen Severe, Bob Cobb, and, and having people like Roland Martin, Bill Dance, Hank Parker involved in his events to bring integrity to, this, to his to his vision, and, and that's where we are today. That's why when we talk about do you think there's cheating going on in the Bassmaster Elite Series, there's too much integrity there, and those guys are going to get weeded out fast because that contagiousness has been handed up or handed down however you want to look at it through the anglers and everyone involved in Bassmaster from Ray Scott's vision back in back in the day back when it first started it's it's an unbelievable assignment
0: and it, it's and it's so much more than just tournaments I mean it's it, like Ray Scott you know I kept thinking about it when you were talking earlier about catch and release and stuff There was a time when Ray Scott said, we're going to release all of these fish and nobody released bass, like literally nobody. He took it from trout fishing because trout fishing, they had got onto it earlier that like how precious that resource is. And it's so limited. And they started catch release and he took it from there. But there was a time when I think it was in Mississippi or wherever the tournament was where they literally had to stand up on this dam and they said we're releasing these fish and the law was like you're not releasing these fish and they had a standoff and it was like well you're gonna have to stop me if you want to so the the things that that ray scott and bob cobb and 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 i hate even naming names because there's so many people that have touched and molded and made this sport that we both love what it is and um that project that that you ben jm and bass is working on is is honestly something that's needed to happen for a long time and it's something i'm i'm really excited to see and i'm kind of a little jealous like i mean uh you know getting texts from you at dinners with bob cobb and stuff like that (laughs) it makes me feel left out i wish it was there because i know those are always a lot of fun but um, it's an amazing, your name, amazing your name
1: comes up all like at every sit down, your name comes up, Dave. So you are deaf. You have definitely been there in spirit and, and uh, we, we talk about you and there's definitely love in the air for Dave Mercer at all these interviews, man. I can well, promise you that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know if love is the word I would use, but I appreciate them. Well, the them. boots, the
1: boots, the boots are, are big boots to fill from, from when everyone involved, writers now that, that took the, took the uh, opportunities that were given to them, that Bob Cobb get, you know, handed to them or the people in the marketing department that Helen Severe hired to create what we have today. And, and, and the people that ray scott got involved to make this happen it goes back to the old cliche you're only as good as the people you associate yourself with and that's what he did that's what left that's that was that's his it it makes me get goosebumps and it almost brings me to tears i get choked up when i think about it because of the legacy that he left behind and and it it's all summed up in one word, in my opinion, and, and this is just going, I wasn't there, you know, I wasn't there for the first classic. I've, I've seen the video numerous times and I've, I've interviewed people now and I understand it much better than I ha- ever have before. But the one word that I would use to, to wrap up that entire project is integrity and the contagiousness of the integrity and that this was not going to be wavered. Integrity is not going to be wavered. If you're, I guarantee you, there are certain things that have happened, um, in, in Bassmaster events that Ray Scott probably would have just gotten rid of anglers for and said, you're, you're, you 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 do not belong in this group of people because that what you did does not illustrate what I started okay and we're not going to waver we're going to make you an example of this because you need to understand this is the direction this is going to go these are the tracks that we set this train on and you're not going to knock it off of those tracks
0: yeah i mean and some of them sound bizarre like when you hear some of them like you hear anglers talk like like at the classic when bass gets the anglers rooms covers the anglers rooms If you weren't married, you were not staying with somebody like there was all these different things. You're like, how can a tournament? But if you think of the time, like what Ray was trying to create, he's built. He was literally building a sport. Um, We're talking about all the media that 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 our sport has gotten because of a negative. But Ray was literally hounding down newspaper writers, everybody to cover this sport. And he didn't want any negative to be around it at all. while he was building it. And it's, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's a true, he is, you know, your great American dreamer, visionary, um, whatever you want to call it. He's the kid that people point fingers at when you're young and say stuff because his dreams were so big that people with simpler minds have to laugh because they just can't imagine that. Okay. So you're going to build tournament fishing into this huge yes he did and and it's amazing i mean it's it's there's no shortcuts in in life and that's honestly i guess that's what this podcast comes down to there is literally no shortcuts because two guys tried to take a giant shortcut and um it's over for them i mean there'll be no more tournament fishing it'll be hard pressed for them to fish or who knows if they even like fishing you know maybe this was just a Elaborate scam, but there's uh no shortcuts in life.
1: It, this reminds me, you're talking about Ray Scott and the way he pioneered, you know, tournament bass fishing. It's like what Bugsy Siegel did for Las Vegas. When he I'm telling you, it's no a great analogy. Would, hey, Ray man, Scott and Bugsy. When he built hey, when he went out to the desert and built the first uh a casino called the Flamingo. No one showed up, but he truly believed that if you build it, people will come. And no one believed he had this vision of what Las Vegas would be just like Ray Scott had the vision of what Bass, Bassmaster master or Bass would be eventually. When I held the first, the very first cover or the very first printed magazine, um, uh, that that bass did that Bob Cobb edited and wrote and hired writers to write articles for photographers and all that stuff I'm sitting there looking at this first issue going don't you I mean you know the the front cover is a largemouth bass in a in a in a green green water underwater scene and you're just I'm just like you know, this isn't a, a great photo, but at that time, they're probably standing there going, this is an unbelievable photo. We actually captured a largemouth bass underwater, you know, <laughs> and they put it on the cover and to, to feel that history vibe go through your body. It makes me want to protect bass that BASS and Bassmaster it makes me as a fan as an employee as as part of the whole scene it makes me want to defend it and protect it that much more because of what Ray Scott did for it, it it's it's unbelievable it's cool
0: Yeah, he's the chicken that laid the egg. I I say that to to Ray. I used to say that to Ray, and I always say that to Bob. And it's amazing what they've... I mean, there was a time when a bass was just another fish. It literally was just another fish. Like, there was trout, there was bass, there was... But it was just another fish. It was just, you go fish, like... And now bass fishing, go into any North American tackle store. It is literally 70 to 80% of their sales, a good, you know, it depends on the, area. you know, pro further shops. North
1: you get like it's dude, it's, dude, this is all part of it. You know, I mean, think about the boat manufacturing, you know, the freaking I mean, bass, Johnny Morris, bass pro shops, you know, everything, everything that, that, the, 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 the What he did, what Bass did, what Ray Scott did for so many people, it's endless. It is completely impossible to cover every detail about what, you know, mushroomed out of that concept. Everything, this podcast, (laughs) the hat that you're wearing, you know, the logo on your shirt, you know, my my hoodie my freaking
0: job your job you know what Uh, i mean like the the
1: scars on my hands from the uh, sharp hooks that have been you know everything everything dude
0: it's incredible it's incredible no shortcuts in life but i do have an i do have one story because it it flashed up on my twitter here and i've heard a lot about it this week and it's i think it's a good one and this is not it's not a knock on you jake but (laughs)
1: Bring it you're board. you're
0: gonna you're gonna think it is it's not okay. um i can take it so i said there's no shortcuts in life but there is in las vegas it turns out there's big news coming out i don't know if you've heard about this you can now get a leg lengthening surgery so people that have, <laughs> people that were shorter and want to get taller they can add between three and six inches um, to your legs, and it is like, but <laughs> listen to this most messed up surgery. They break your femur. What are your two? Your uh, the big one is your femur, right? Tibia. Your femur is
1: in your thigh. Yeah, your the tibia femur. and your uh, you, your tibia is your shin, right? Yes. Okay, so they break. Or, no, your tibia and fibula, or is that your other? They're similar to the arm bones. But your femurs up up from your hips to your knees and then going down from your knees to your ankles are your your tib and fib.
0: OK, well, let's go with your thigh. The big bake- okay.
1: <laughs> your femur, your femur they break.
0: If you want if you want only three inches, they'll break that basically break that. And they put this device in this. Listen to this. If you want six inches, they got to break both. They got to break your thigh and your shin, basically. And then you get this device put in you. And it gives waves, basically electronic waves, which slowly stretch, slowly stretch the the bones and lengthen it. So you can add, and it takes six months. So you spend six months in bed to recover for like, and and every day they're getting a little bit longer. And you and you got to take a lot of pain pills. It says, (laughs) so you're going to end up a little taller. But after six months, you're probably going to have a chronic dependency on opioids, which is going to be problemsome, I imagine. But if being short has been an issue for you, it can now be fixed in Las Vegas. Would you would you do that surgery?
1: No, if I'm going to get anything lengthened, it's not going to be my femurs. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. if there was another part of your body, you could add three inches. Would you shut down your life for six months? No. That that's to me, to me, to me, I'm just not that insecure about myself to have to to think to think that I need to go feel taller. One of my jokes growing up was always, I'm gonna get a full body tattoo. It's gonna be me, but taller. (laughs) I'm five eight. Okay. Which isn't that short. Which isn't that short. No. I'm short. I'm I'm a I'm a short guy. Um, but I'm not the shortest guy on the planet. Dalton but, Tumlin might be no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think five, eight, like I would, I, I mean,
0: I'm assuming most of the people that get this, like you go to their website, dude, I went, I got, went down a mole hole one day in this, and I was reading people's <laughs> testimonies and stuff like that. Like people like, here's the weird thing. And it costs 75 grand for each three inches. Then the max they can do is six. Right. And you, And you're not guaranteed three they hope for three. It might be two, you know, depending on how your bones stretch and how much pain you can take and the rehab process from the opioids that you're going to be on for the six months that you're stuck in bed. But, but supposedly skyrocketing business during, um, COVID because all these people that wanted it were like, I just I need to be on off. zoom calls and I can be yeah. stoned and be in zoom <laughs> calls. So, um, a skyrocketing business during, during the COVID times, but everyone that got it now, they would be the ones on the website. I'm sure they wouldn't put the negative ones, but everybody raves about it. Everyone's like, it's so amazing to walk into that room and look down on people and stuff like that. I just, it's so I'm not
1: doing that. No, not, I would never even consider that that's not happening to me. That's not happening. I'm gonna raise my children to be confident kids. Hopefully they're not, you know, they don't have that problem. You know, people with the Napoleon syndrome have that problem, need to go get their femurs broken.
0: <laughs> that do you should, think that,
1: I, do you think those walleye dudes,
0: if I don't know how tall they are, but do you think they'd be the kind that would go if get, it deal if with it, that? if
1: it made them money? Probably.
0: Oh yeah. Totally. <laughs>
1: Uh, That's cheating. That's cheating in life. You are who you are. This is my firm belief, whether it's boob jobs, penis lengtheners, femur leg (laughs) stretchers, or whatever it is. Or lead weights in your walleye. Lead weights (laughs) in your walleye. You're cheating life. You are who you are. You catch what you catch. Be happy with yourself. That's what's the problem with the world in the first place. It's not, you know from a political perspective it's not that we're not the problem for other people you have to look within yourself my mom had the greatest quote ever and i quoted her this on her birthday a few uh, weeks ago she says and she's told me this from day one that i could understand english as a child she said to be a beautiful person on the outside you have to be a beautiful person on the inside. And I, and I, to this day, hold that as an ethos and mantra in my life because you are who you are and you can't do anything. Well, apparently you can go to Las Vegas and do something about that, but you know, be happy, man. Just freaking be happy, dude.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's foolish. It's foolish. It, um, uh, but I get it. I mean, I'm sure that that's the lottery of life. I mean, there's people who, like, who was that dude last year? The short dude from the Bronx or something that became a big deal. The the bagel guy that was screaming at people had like a huge complex, but he was a shorter guy and he had, that's what it all came back to. But it's just, I mean, it, it, dude, it is what it is. Enjoy have life.
1: You, have you seen the guy on Instagram who has, he's, he's an amputee from his waist down and he he's a, he's a, uh, he's an African-American guy with hes sh- Read it, he works out constantly. That dude, like, can do anything. I mean, it's un not anything, but unbelievable what that guy has done. And that's a testimony to uh, this is a tangent, but it's kind of similar. I mean, he, he got cheated in life, right? Yeah, he, he could feel like he got cheated in life. Clay
0: Dyer, Clay exact Dyer, same.
1: exact same thing, man. They made the best of it. And I'm sure they go to bed some nights thinking, wishing, why me? Because they can't do everything they want to do, but they can do more than what other people can. Normal people can. And I think that's a testimony to, you know, reaching down inside your gut. And if you're not a good enough walleye fisherman to be the team of the year, don't stuff lead weights in your fish because that's bullshit.
0: Yeah. And just be happier with the persons you are because you're living somebody. I just stabbed myself with this pen trying to flip it, uh, but, but everybody you're living people's dreams. And, and that is the truth. Like we we really do have a good life and uh, just be happier with this person. You are don't live in the filtered. That's the other thing that's ridiculous. Filtered f- females. Stop using filters, especially the ones that are called no filter. Oh.
1: Oh, because when you show up at Starbucks and you're not, don't look like the same person, you know, stop, stop. Oh, it's all, Dude, I used
0: this past week. I saw a friend of mine had this filter thing and I was like, what would I look like with the filter? I had a cut on the end of my nose. The cut went away, dude. The cut disappeared. Like my, everything was smooth. And I'm like, well, don't want to use this because you build an unrealistic. I just think the world is messed up.
1: It's fake. It, We live in a fake world all the way around, dude. Everything, that's why I've said, I've often said, Dave, and this goes back full circle to the conversation about this project, about BASS and Ray Scott. One of the things that I really love about my job with JM Associates slash Bassmaster is the group of people that we get to be around. And that is contagiousness from the people that, that, that Ray Scott hired early on, the Helen Severs, the, the Bob Cobbs, all those people, that has been handed down over time. And the whole reason why it's so professional and why we feel so good around each other as a group is because of that, the, the very first hirings, the people that he hired hired the right people. Those people hired the right people. And here we are. Yes, people get, you know, get, get culled out of the system from time to time but for the for the most part it's you know selfless people that are there to make this a great production to create the values that were instilled in bass from the very beginning and that's why we feel the way we do about each other i truly believe that
0: yeah it's uh the dream is still the same dream that started in an insurance worker's desk way back in the day but uh live a more real life. And, um, what what do you got? What, what, what's ahead for you, Jake?
1: I leave. What is today? Monday. I leave Friday for the Lake Hartwell open. Nice. And then I come back. I actually am shooting a project for the Bass U, um, in Texas with Lee Livesey the following week. Then I go to, um, Sam Rayburn for the open in jasper texas and then the last uh, open that's the last open there's two more or yeah two more okay and then after that i will be seeing you in november at the redfish cup
0: yeah i'm looking forward to that that'll be in uh port aransas texas right that's looking right forward to it.
1: yeah i missed it yeah. last year um because of some other obligations with one of my uh outfitting companies but I'm no longer associated to that company, and I, I've, that's the first time I've ever said this publicly. Um, I'll explain later. But um, I'm going to uh, be at the Redfish Cup, and I'm really looking forward to it because last year looked like a ton of fun.
0: Yeah, great. Do you know any? Of the,
1: do you know of any of the elites that are going to be competing?
0: Yeah, Paul Nick's there. Um, of course, Zaldane will be there with Ryan Rickard trying to defend their title and um, Patrick
1: walters coming back Patrick, i think patrick's
0: there i believe that scott martin's there i believe that well i'm i believe there's some others but uh i'm trying to cool. remember who they are you put me on the spot that makes it so. better
1: that ma- to me that just makes it better because the bass world knows these guys they're in drew, Cook. different drew, drew cook's Cook. coming i think yeah sweet
0: and maybe Wes logan
1: sweet I can't yeah. wait. I cannot wait. That's I'm I'm really looking forward to this.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. It's gonna be a lot of fun. But in between now and then, we're both gonna to have to answer a lot of questions about two idiots that shoved weights in a walleye. Don't do that, kids. It's dumb. It's dumb. The other about thing shoes. is dumb is high heeled shoes. Ladies, in mud no guy yeah. on earth, no man on earth for the most part has ever looked at and said, I wish she was
1: a little taller. Isn't that not the truth? trust me trust (laughs) me yeah (laughs) you want to hear another story
0: well sure
1: I'll 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 make it quick I'll make it quick in junior high school I was the captain of the football team in eighth grade and on homecoming I had to escort the homecoming queen out into the center of the football field during the homecoming ceremonies and she was about four to five inches taller than me and People were laughing and people thought it was cute. I mean, I'm what, 12 years old at the (laughs) time and everyone thought it was cute. And all the moms were up there laughing. And, you know, again, they were talking about how cute it was, but I did get subconscious at that time about what, why they were laughing or why they were smiling at me because I thought she was taller than me. Since then, I've never, ever dated another, another girl, which she wasn't my girlfriend at the time, but I've never dated a girl taller than me. Because I don't want to go through that again. <laughs> You're traumatized from it. PTSD, man. PTSD. Oh, well, I mean. But look me in the eye. I'm not insecure about it. <laughs> God, you
0: look like a total psycho right there. <laughs> I, I believe you'll be going to Vegas. you will be going to, he'll be showing up at the Classic next year, 6'2.
1: I did both. Oh. Everybody's going to be like, dude. Did you get your hair cut or something? How <laughs> weird would you look though, too? Because you're adding six inches, but
0: just on your lower body. So you're just like, it's you've still, still got weird. the
1: exact same length of torso. You know what would you know what would happen? <laughs> I'd like hit my head on I'd hit my head like on the airplane and stuff getting on. I'd start hitting my head because I'm not used to it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you just instantly um, complain about the seats and everything. This is ridiculous. It might work I, for
1: those short guys, but <laughs> I'd start making fun of short people. <laughs> you get my big, uh, long
0: legs in here. I
1: would turn into one of the biggest assholes ever. <laughs>
0: uh. Oh, well, um, uh, like I say about my hairline, I'm just bald to give other people a chance. And I think the same thing's true with you, my friend, if you were six, <laughs> one, I mean, no other guys would have a chance on life. Oh, You, they'd, you they'd, dominate
1: everything. Oh, They'd be scared to death. <laughs> <laughs> hey, just imagine, imagine this, Dave. At the beginning of this show, we were trying to figure out. Since normally I come from, we come from an event, so we talk yeah. about the event, and we're like, okay, well, let's just go with, it. let's start out with the walleye guys, and and go with it. And this has been one of the longest ones we've ever done.
0: Yeah, well,
1: nonstop, long,
0: not as long as the Vegas leg, but long. <laughs>
1: long and heavy, <laughs> long and heavy. <laughs> that was a very heavy conversation
0: well i always enjoy uh, talking with you jake and um, likewise it's always good to have you here we'll have you back here uh very soon in the future unless people don't want to hear from you outside of tournaments yeah. let us know in the comments i mean maybe me no maybe jake's, tired jake's not take. relevant anymore no I, I think they probably will vote me off the island and <laughs> it'll be like hi i'm jake welcome to a show named mercer because of the guy that we voted off the island
1: <laughs> you know what i just noticed in your picture to your what? left the uh-huh. ray scott the yeah that's ray me scott and
0: ray scott when i was i see that much younger and and if we keep turning that's me and ray at wow. the very first at my very first classic wow. which is really cool um Wow. Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff up there. My wife, I got back from an event once. Look at all those frames up there. If you can see wow. any of them, it's ridiculous. Wow. So I came back and my wife like put all that stuff up there, and um, I, I don't really like it to be honest. And now she's gonna know Well, she kind of knows because I'm like I don't like pictures of me. I mean, the picture of Ray's cool and everything, but I just don't like pictures that I'm in. Uh, but she worked really hard on it, so.
1: Well, I mean, look at this stuff. There's it's the Bass nice. Story by Bob Cobb. Bob Cobb's book is up there. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: All the bobbleheads, yeah. there's there's, yeah. there's good stuff
0: there. Do you have nothing he, else to do? I mean, I've tried to close this show for 20 minutes and you keep coming up with new stories. Is your kid going to come in and do the one-minute Rubik's Cube for us they're today? School.
1: They're, no, but we got to do that next We time. have to. Dude, Dude, he's that is insane. awesome. Oh, he's insane. One minute, 17 seconds is his personal best. And now he's what is doing the like world
0: record for that. Do you know?
1: Six seconds, six and a half seconds with one hand. Shut no up. Okay. I'm t- You go look it up on YouTube right now.
0: They're putting There's- lead weights
1: in that frigging Rubik's yeah. cube. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 12 How can sinkers. that even happen? Like they make special ones that, that, uh, that are faster. They spin on a, on bearings or something and they have a competition um, and the guy that won, it's like Chinese or he, he's Asian. And he literally has one hand on a grip, like under the table. And he gets 15 seconds to look the Rubik's Cube over. And then he has to set it down. He can keep his hand above it, but he can't touch it. And then when the buzzer goes off, he grabs it and he goes, six seconds. He he does it. Unbelievable. Wow. So is your kid
0: trying to get faster or is he happy with 117?
1: Oh no, Matt. So his school, he started a trend. So now like people are bringing Rubik's cubes to school and they're having competitions on the playground and like, he started it at his school. Yeah. Wow. So if Rubik's cubes make a huge comeback, then With I want kid. some royalty. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, we're not cheating for money. We're just going to figure out how to get it.
0: <laughs> I feel like a total loser right now, just so you know, because you're, how old is your son? eight he's eight he can do the rubik's cube something that i have yet to accomplish in my life without pulling the stickers off
1: (laughs) yeah or breaking it apart and forcing it back together well when i was a kid i used to peel them
0: like i took the time to peel them all off and put them but you could tell i cheated at it i never got to i never got the i've yet to this day i've never done a rubik's cube fully i mean i've got, I've got i can get a few how, you out- said that one day you roasted. You posted. My son is writing an algorithm for the. I was like, Jake's lying about his kid
1: again. Mm-mm. I've got. I, I saved. I saved it. He wrote it down on a piece of paper with a pencil, and he wrote the algorithms down, which you can learn, but you still have to recognize where you are in the puzzle to fit. The algorithm like counting cards or knowing what to play on when there's five people at a blackjack table and you look at everyone's hands that are exposed, you know what to play because you've you you understand the 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 algorithms in in what hand you're supposed to play to win that game. It's and at eight years old, I'm like, dude, I don't care if there are algorithms. That's ridiculous. He, he's a very smart kid.
0: That's incredible to me. I mean, I literally
1: Tiffany want to hit Polnick. my kids,
0: to be honest, right now. Right now, when my kids get home from school today, I'm just going to be like, I love you, children. That's what I'll say. But there really, would it kill you to do the Rubes Cube in a minute 17? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Tiffany Polinick is just, she was the first one. Like, I posted it. He did one, I don't know, way back like before lake kawahi and he did one and it took him like three minutes or something Uh when I, i went to brandon's camp to just to chat and say hi and she came out of the trailer and she the camper and she's like the first thing she said was, "Oh my God, what your son did with that Rubik's cube! Like the focus that he has in his, like you can see him focused and 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 just the 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 motivation to do that was incredible. And so when he did a minute seventeen seconds in that restaurant, you should have seen the people around us and all the tables were like they're all staring at my kid doing this Rubik's cube. It was pretty cool. It's a very proud dad moment.
0: Yeah." It's incredible. I Charles Sim, who is uh before Corey, Chris, and Gussie showed up on the Elite Series, he was the second Canadian to ever qualify for the Bassmaster Classic, the first one late Hank Gibson. But Charles could do it in three minutes, and I thought that was so impressive. And after I, I've always said, I'm gonna get you on the podcast to do it, Charles, but it turns out you're not coming on because Jake's kid does it in <laughs> a minute 17. So brush up on your Rubik's Cube skills um wow this podcast has gone many many different directions let us know wow. if you guys like any of them jake are you gonna are you gonna end this i mean we can't even do an end or just tell bob cobb to take it away
1: bob cobb take it away thanks for watching please like comment and subscribe because bob cobb of the bass masters told you to
0: you hear